0: I want to start off today with a story um, about someone who is is a hero of mine, and I think uh, he's a hero to a lot of people. Um, his his name is George Washington Carver, um, and if you aren't familiar with the story of George Washington Carver, you should be because it's it's an unbelievable story. Um, the Civil War ended in 1865, and and we think that's the year that that he was born at some point in the mid 60s. Around that time, but we don't know for sure. So his birthday is listed as January 1st, 1865. But the truth is, um, there was no record of when he was born. They just assigned him that day. Um, I want to tell a story that's always just amazed me about about this incredible man. Um, This is a man who... Uh, was a devout lover and follower of Jesus Christ, gave his life to the Lord when he was 10 years old. When a, and so George, George Washington Carver is a black man. And, and when he was 10, one of his neighbors, a white neighbor, came over and invited him to Sunday school. Well, little did that boy know that there's no way that George Washington Carver could attend Sunday school because that was only allowed for, for black people in their area. And they were the only black family in, in this little community. But the boy told him about Sunday school, and, and George Washington Carver said, that's amazing. What, what, is, what is Sunday school? He's like, oh, it's wonderful. That's, that's where we read, and we sing, and we pray, and it's all about Jesus. And he's like, so tell me what you sing, and tell me what you pray. And, and this little boy said, well, I'll tell you, but, you, but you'll have to come. In his innocence, he just kept talking about, about what he experienced at Sunday school. But when the boy left, um, George Washington Carver climbed uh, the ladder in his barn, the loft. And he just prayed. He just prayed a simple prayer uh, with simple words that invited Jesus into his heart. And it felt so good. He just kept praying and he kept praying other things. And that day he gave his life to the Lord. As he grew and as he grew in brilliance, this was a brilliant man. This was a world changing man. He believed that he could merge um, that he could have the, the the strength of believing in Jesus and also believing in science. And he believed that they were complementary and that they weren't in contradiction to one another. And so um, I don't want to sit here and just talk about George Washington Carver today, but I just encourage you guys to, to look him up. He was an amazing man. And there's this one story in particular that stands out to me. He was asked to be a speaker uh, as, as he was... Um, getting older and in his later years. Um, and, and so he shows up at the, the hotel where that they had uh, a ballroom where that he was going to be speaking. And as he's standing there, um, he, didn't, he wasn't incredibly well-known. It's not the kind of guy where the, his face is plastered on the billboards. That didn't take place in America during this time, to have a black man noted like that. So another patron of this hotel walks up and sees a black man dressed in a dark suit standing there. And so he says, would you, would you run these bags to my room, please? Here's the room number. George, You know what George Washington Carver did? He said, yes, sir. He grabbed the bags. He walked them up to the room and dropped off the bags there that 's where the story ends. The story doesn 't end so the the the, the white man um, he did attend the speech and the seminar and and the what, what was be, what George was there to do to talk about. He did attend that, but the story didn 't end with the white man coming up to him and saying i 'm so sorry i, I didn 't recognize who you were. I feel so embarrassed that 's not where the story ends and i 'm thankful that 's not where the story ends. The story ends with a Man of God, being secure in who he is, being secure in who he is in Christ, being submitted to the plan of God of which he was a part, and he knew he was a part, and he was a servant of the king. So in his mind, why wouldn't he serve joyfully in this case of mistaken identity? Isn't that ridiculously amazing? Isn't that ridiculous? Oh, to have that level of self-awareness, self-confidence, and God-awareness. Oh, to have that type of attitude. As we talk about submission today, I want you to know a huge part of Walking in the command of submission is our attitude. Submission is not just mentioned once or twice in the Bible. It's not just mentioned four or five times in the Bible. It's not just mentioned 10 or 12 times in the Bible. Submission is mentioned a lot. I want to pull up that definition of submission that we have. And this is straight from the Greek word in the Bible. And there's two usages there. And the scriptures that I'm going to share today fall under the second usage, which is the non-military application, okay? So this, this bottom usage here, it says, in non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude. It was a voluntary Attitude. Of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. When we hear the word submission, when we read the word submission in scriptural context, what our response needs to be is, Lord, how do you want me to give in? regarding this. How do you want me to surrender my pride? How do you want me to surrender my rights? How do you want me to surrender my will? Lord, how can I cooperate with you? Lord, when I read this passage, would, Holy Spirit, would just show me how I'm meant to be in cooperation with what you want to do? Lord, I know that you carried the burden of my sins, but Lord, I want to carry the burden of leading others to you. I want to carry the burden of pointing others to you. And you're so much smarter than me. You're brilliant. You're an expert in all things. And so when I voluntarily submit to you, what I'm saying is I want to carry the burden of pointing people to Jesus. If we really grab a hold of this revelation... If we really grab a hold of this to the point where that we have a hunger to, to, to hear from God on what he wants to speak to us, we will never look at this word submission as, as a dark or an ugly or an oppressive word again. Not in the context of kingdom. You see, we have a king. As a follower of Jesus, we have a king and we are a part of his kingdom. Now, as Americans, we're not used to that. We get to change our mind every four years. We, we, get, we get to have our say every four years. I want to make a point here. We are called to be Christians before we're called to be an American. I'm a Christian before I'm an American. And I love being an American. An American. Um, most days of the week, I have a flag that hangs outside my house. And if it's going to be bad weather, I roll it up, and I make sure it doesn't touch the ground, and I keep it inside until the bad weather passes. Now, today, there's a Raiders flag. I'm just being honest. Hanging at my house, there's a Raiders flag. I took the American flag down before coming, and I hung the Raiders flag. But I'll take it down tomorrow, put the American flag back up. I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. I'm a lover of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I trust Jesus before I'm anything else. How many of us are secure in who we are in Christ? How many of us are secure in submission? Before you answer that, let me read, let's, let's read a passage together. Let's, let's look at something. First Peter two eighteen. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. How many of us are comfortable with that? At first reading, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm just being honest. But see, we too often, we use Scripture as a soundbite. We use anything as a soundbite. We use things out of context. We hear things out of context. We have a two-minute um, attention span where we hear something and we hear a soundbite and we base it as truth. That, that's, that's the world we live in. It's a TikTok world. It's, it's an Instagram world. It's, it's a quick satisfaction or quick conveyance of message world. And all too often, we take it without digging deeper. We're going to circle back on that passage that I said. Even I am not comfortable in, in, with that passage in one second. But I want to read something from First 1 Corinthians 11.3. I read it last week and I'm going to read it this week and I'm going to read it again next week. First Corinthians eleven three. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. When we read this passage, it should capture our hearts. It, it it's amazing. This passage that I read conveys that even Jesus was in submission. Jesus was in submission to the Father. The Father was the head of the Son. It's in their names. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father and Son, authority, conveyance of authority, and submission to authority. I said this last week. I'll say it again today. I'll probably say it again next week. Does anybody in here look at Jesus as less than? No, he's our king. He is our victorious king. So why do we look at it being some oppressive thing when we say, "Well, the head of uh, a wife is her husband"? That's oppressive. That's less than. There's, there's, uh, you're, you're saying I'm not, I'm not equal to if I'm less than. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is equality there in the Trinity. There's equality, but there's different responsibilities. Headship and submission is a beautiful thing. We just need to find out what it is because our King made sure that in His kingdom there were truths that were in conflict and, excuse me, in contradiction to what we see in our society. If we're going to walk in the kingdom of God, we've got to understand that there are kingdom principles that are going to be in contradiction to our principles in our society. And at some point, we've got to find peace in our soul about this. We have to have an attitude of trust and cooperation with the Lord. I want to circle back on that passage from First Peter 2, but instead of just reading the soundbite of one verse, I want to read the three verses prior to it. So I want to read verses 15, 16, and 17, and then I'll read 18 again, okay? And and, and I'm hoping that the, the thing we can grab a hold of in this is let's not treat soundbites as truth. And let's not treat a one-off scripture as a soundbite. First Peter two fifteen. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom As an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. And love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. You do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. Different context, right? It's different because the first time we read it, what did we think of? We're Americans. We thought of whips. We thought of plantations. We thought of rape. We thought of cruelty. Right? We're Americans. When we hear the word slave, that's what we think of. Even though we've probably seen the Ten Commandments, well, actually, some of us, of a certain age, have probably seen the Ten Commandments. There we go, okay. And so, even though we see like a form of like Egyptian slavery, like and and tyranny, but as Americans, we think of the southern ugly part of American history, slavery. Right? When we hear slavery, that's what we think of. Okay, it's not the same thing. I want you to know there are many words in the New Testament for slavery, for for, for slaves. Some of them express A you've been given a freedom, but you willingly choose to stay in the house of the master because he's a good because he's good and you're paid and you're rewarded and you're actually identified as part of that family. You're not given a ring like a son would be given. You're given an earring and everyone knows that you are a part of this family, that you're a free man, that you're a free woman who willingly chooses to stay in the master's home. Once again, not southern plantation master. Not southern accent, not you know Colonel Sanders' master. Something else. Some of those words, there's another word for slave that means slave. You're not there of your own volition. You, you're, you've been bought, you've been purchased. But even then, in the Roman Empire, there were still, it, it was a different context of slavery still not good. I mean, I, still, we're, we're, we should desire to be free. But we just need to get rid of that southern context. In this passage, in verse 18, when the first one I read said, you who are slaves must submit to your masters. The word that Paul uses for slave here is very interesting. It's oik, oiketas, or katus. And here's what it means. It's those servants who would be under the rule and control um, of an often tyrannical head of the household. But this view, um, this is more of the translation of a domestic worker. Included in that domestic worker could be a doctor, could be a manager of the house, could be one who is in charge and, and tends to the children of the house. But it it conveys more of a domestic, you know, uh, responsibility. But what's the word that Paul used for slave when he said that you are free, yet you are God's slaves? That word, that word is uh, doulo, and it's slave. You are free. Yet you are a slave. That word is one who's been bought. One who's been bought. That word describing you and I, it conveys one who doesn't have the freedoms that that other usage has later on. The the person who's in that domestic capacity has many more freedoms than the first one. So why do I highlight that? Although we are free, although we have free will, we have the right to to choose, to trust, to follow, do we? Do we follow? Do we obey? Do we surrender our freedoms? Do we surrender our... Our rights for the sake of the only good king, the only perfect king of our Savior Jesus Christ. What is our attitude? What is our attitude when it comes to submission? How do we see that word and how do we see? I tell you, last night, here, here's how I felt regarding this series. Here's how I felt last night. I bit off more than I could chew. That's how I felt. I, I've, I've bitten off more than I can chew. It's, it's legit heavy. It's legit difficult to convey. Because of all the ways that we walk in a flawed world today. Because of all the ways that we walk in a sinful world today. There's passages in scripture where it says to submit to the governing authorities. Submit those who who rule over you. Submit those. Submit. Be in submission to authority. There's multiple verses. As this one it says, whether they're good or bad. Then we see in Scripture that when the authorities placed above us are asking us to do thing do things that contradict our master, that we're to have a sense of humility in our disobedience. Not this militant stance of defiance. I look at Daniel, who was told that he could not pray. Everyone was told that they could not pray, and Daniel said, I, "I'm sorry, I, I won't do that." And prayer was part of his relationship with God, and so he continued to to pray. And he said, "King, I cannot, I cannot stop." Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego—same thing. They, they were told that they could not, they could not worship their God, our God. They said, sorry, we can't do it. And they said, you're going you're to be killed then. You're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And they said, our God will deliver us even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, we still won't stop. You see the disciples talking about Jesus. It was Peter and John. And they were threatened by the local authorities saying, stop talking about Jesus. And they said, who are we supposed to listen to? You or the one who we've experienced? The one we saw, the one we heard, the one we saw conquer death and raise from the dead. Who are we supposed to obey? You or them. We will not stop preaching about this Jesus. But what I see in, in these passages and more is still that attitude surrender to God is not this defiant look at me thing. I got a pretty decent chunk of that defiant look at me thing in me. In my flesh is a pretty decent chunk of a defiant take a stand fight the power militants. It it's part of my flesh. But that is not part of my nature. Because my nature is that of Christ. I've been adopted into his bloodline, his family. I've been grafted and adopted. I want to look like him. I want to sound like him. I want to respond like him. And so when we talk about submission, and, and I'm no different than y'all in the fact that I, I can, any of us can look in a concordance at every usage of the word submit or, or submission, and we can read all these scriptures for ourselves. And in doing so, it's meant to be an open dialogue with the Lord. In doing so, there has to be a trust with God. I want to read one more passage. I want to read uh, Romans 9.30. And I want to keep on reading to the end of Romans 9, which is just four verses. And I want to go right into Romans 10. Because it's the same theme. It's it's a new chapter, but this is one that I believe that you know King James and and sorting things out you know said "Eh, this will be the start of a new chapter when it should have been a continuation of the previous. So I'm just going to read them as one thought. Romans nine thirty through thirty three, and then I'm going to read Romans ten, and I'm going to jump ahead to verses three and four. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who do not pursue or did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching the law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written... Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him, that rock of offense, will not be put to shame. Uh, Chapter 10, still speaking about Israel. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ, who is God's righteousness, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Wanting to be righteous, wanting to be accepted by God, we desire that. But what he's highlighting here is Israel wanted to do that based on the law. Israel wanted to do that based on their own Works. Israel wanted to do that based on their own fill in the blank. And what he's saying here is that we can only be righteous through the person and the completed work of Jesus Christ. I, I'm still chewing on a lot of different things. And and my mind. I've got to rein it in at times because I see signs that just trouble my heart. I see signs in our country that trouble my heart. I see signs in our world, but I'm talking about specifically in our our country that just trouble my heart. And it's easy for me to imagine being told I can't worship Jesus in America. That's not a reach for me to imagine that. They have that in other countries. They're told they can't worship Jesus, and they die for Jesus in other countries. They say, "I will not bend the knee. I will not. I will not obey that. I will continue to worship my God. I have one master. His name is Jesus Christ, and I'm a slave to him." It's not hard for me to imagine a time where that we're told we can't do that. We can't worship. We can't pray to Jesus. We can't congregate. We can't meet in a church. If we do come into a church, we can't sing. And and then that's where that battle takes place between my flesh that wants to fight the power. The public enemy song is like running through my head right now. Fight the power! That's but my flesh kind of stirs. And then the Spirit of God says, will you submit to me? Will you cooperate with me? Will you carry the burden with what I want to do? Will you agree with me in, in how I want to move in this? Will you submit to me? If you read First Peter, there's a lot of talk about persecution. There's a lot of talk I mean, he, after that passage we read, it darn near immediately goes into talking about Jesus and his death on the cross and the price he paid for us. First Peter, he is writing this letter saying, you're going to experience persecution. You're going to experience hardship. But he tells us the way that we're supposed to do it, with humility and trust and faith in God, where that our actions don't put God to shame. Where that we have a, a reverence, a fear of God, to the point where that we say, "Lord, I want Your name to be glorified through my actions," and so I, I submit my actions to You, I submit my will to You, I submit my rights to You. I, I've shared this before. Um, I mean, Karen and I, we've we've been married. For twenty-three years, since I, it's probably been twenty years or so that we've been praying this prayer. We didn't we didn't have it when we first got married, but after a few years we realized this is the only way we were gonna have true peace in our home when we had fights. And that is when it starts brewing. And we realize, okay, we are not seeing this the same way, we are not seeing eye to eye, then I, because I'm the head of my family, I, because God has, has told me that I am the, the head of my wife. I lead us in prayer. And here's what that prayer says, Lord, I don't want to be right. You've heard me say this before. Maybe some of you out there have it. Lord, I don't I don't want to be right. And Kara doesn't want to be right. Not at the expense of you not being right, Lord. I don't want to be right. But we are desperate for you to be right. We need for you to be right. So Lord, I surrender my. Right to be right. And, and my wife, I know her heart. She surrenders the right to be right. And so, Jesus, we ask, would you please be right? Would you please show us what you think about? And we yield to you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a simple prayer. It's a powerful prayer. And I'm telling you right now, that has to be our prayer as a follower of Jesus. Lord, I don't, I don't want to be right. For the record, I think I'm right a huge percentage of time. Huge percentage of time. I think I'm like often bordering on almost always right. And you do too. And you do too. You think you're right because it was a tradition you grew up with. You think you're right because you heard it on on your favorite uh, cable news channel. You think you're right because you, you read a book by a brilliant person. You think you're right Because you're just as flawed as me. And so that prayer, I don't want to be right. I surrender my right to be right. But Lord, I'm desperate for you to be right. We have to do that. And I'm telling you guys right now, this theme of submission We don't have to be afraid of it. The scriptures that talk about submission, we don't have to be afraid of it. When we read a passage, we don't have to cringe and go, man, I hope my friends who don't know the Lord never read that passage. But what we can do is dig in and say, Lord, you put this there for a reason. Holy Spirit, you inspired man to write this on your behalf. So, so right now, would you guide me to some truth in here? Let me see why this is here. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like, go back three verses. And you're like, oh. That's really good. Oh, you're calling me a slave. Oh, I am. Because you have paid for my life with the blood of the lamb. You paid for my life. We're going to go ahead and close now. Um, If I can get one of the musicians to come up. What is our attitude? Young people, can you guys lock in for a second? Sammy in the back, can you lock in for a second? What is your attitude when your parents tell you to do something? That everything within you wants to, you're hearing that public enemy opening and you're like, fight the power, fight the power. Um, workers what about that, that boss or that supervisor when they tell you to do something and for whatever reason it just rubs you the wrong way and it just it fires you up husbands what about when your wife points something out says hey this is a chink in the armor and this is something that might be a part of your blind spot and i'm just pointing it out and i want to pray with you but i i just want to point this out to you because i love you and and i don't believe it's the lord's receiving glory from this and you're like i'm the head i'm the head of the household i'm the head of you woman and we don't want to do it because the flesh is the flesh Wives, the same thing What about when I stand up here and I give you a challenging word, knowing darn well that you're going to be uncomfortable with it, knowing darn well that you're not going to leave here going, that was such a great service. Because you're processing going, he called me a slave and he's asking me to be okay with it. What is our attitude? Can we please pull up that definition one more time so we can see? What is our attitude of submission? Number one, is it voluntary? Are we laying it before the Lord saying, Lord, here you go. You don't, you don't have to, no one has to twist my arm. You're my king and I trust you and I love you and it's voluntary and I lay it down. Lord, I'm so desperate for you to be right. I, my flesh must be right, but that's not what my spirit, man, which is greater because you're within me. I want you to be right. So, Lord, I relent. I give in. I capitulate. I surrender. I surrender all. Lord, I want to cooperate with you. I just need to know what you're doing, Lord God. and Not big picture doing. I just need to know what our first step is because I'll take it with you. left foot right foot you tell me Lord and I'll, I'll be in step with you let's pray Lord uh, Lord this, this series it, it's, it's quite a bit Lord it's I definitely have bitten off more than I can chew but this is what you said to to preach and so we're preaching it and it's not bigger than you even if it's bigger than me it's not bigger than you it's not bigger than you the conveying of these difficult topics is not bigger than you so lord i yield to you i cooperate with you i surrender to you i give in and I just want to be used in carrying the burden of pointing people to you, of letting people know that you are good and only good. Even if our logic is defied, even if our, uh, our views are defied, even if our traditions are defied, even if our culture is defied, Lord, we trust you. You are our master. And we have been bought with a price. And you are good and only good and always good. If we can keep our eyes closed for a second, I'm going to open my eyes and I'm really going to lock into those that are watching on home. If you're at home and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that you can know him. Not, not in a religious sense, not in a, in a distant sense, but you can know him closely and intimately you speak to him, and he speaks to you, and he forges your identity into something new. The Bible says that you become a new, a new creature, a new creation. He forges your, your insides to look like him, and then your outsides start looking like him. Because he's, he does this work on the inside, and next thing you know, you're saying things going, oh, where did that come from? I never would have said that, and I never would have said it that way. You're like, oh, that's Jesus. You can know him, and he can make you new. A lot of times in, in the Bible when they talk about a slave, they they talk about those that are recognized as being on the bottom, that are the lowest of the lows, that are in the lowest lot in the community. And maybe that's you. Maybe you at times have felt like you're the lowest of the lows, that you're, you're at the bottom rung of society. Maybe you've done some pretty crummy things. Maybe you've got a pretty dark past. I want you to know none of that is bigger than Jesus. None of that. And if you'll cry out to him, you'll be saved. If you had your Bible open for that last passage, keep on reading in Romans 10 because it says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will never be put to shame. That same chapter says, if you believe in your heart, that Jesus is Lord and confess him with your mouth, you'll be saved. That goes for anyone in this place. If you don't know Jesus and you've never placed your trust in Jesus, I'm asking you today, will you surrender? Will you give in? Will you say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I make you my master. No one makes me do it. I give my life to you. There's anybody here in this place and you're like, I've never done that. I've still been the master. I've still been the one calling the shots. I have not made him Lord, but I want to right now. Would you just raise your hand and you and I will pray later or someone will pray with you. But just acknowledge, is there anybody here? What about at home? You at home, I can't see your hand raised, but you can reach out. And we can pray for you in just a little bit. If you want to give yourself your life your heart your past your future to the Lord place your trust in him reach out to us we'll let you know about that in just a minute Lord I thank you Father for every response that's taking place here right now Lord God some of it it might be a a salvation Lord but others it might be a healing Lord others it it might just be a surrender because we realize we've bowed our backs to you we haven't given in because we wanted to be right or we've wanted to be whatever. But Lord, we're saying right now, we want to be submitted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're in this place and you need prayer, come on up after service. We'd love to pray for you. Prayer is awesome. I love prayer, I love public prayer, I love quiet, personal prayer of solitude. I love it all. And so we'd love to pray for you today. If you're watching online and you need prayer, what I just said. We'll call you and pray for you. We love prayer. And not just me. We've got a church full of people that love to pray. So we will pray with you. Ask the Lord to unpack this further because there's so much more there. Ask the Lord to continue to teach you and to show you. And if He shows you some areas where you haven't submitted to Him, here's my final encouragement. He's trustworthy. So just position your attitude to be one of humility and trust and, and submit trust.